0: Hey, I meant to uh, thank you for stopping by and saying hi the other day. Yesterday, I guess it was. Was that yesterday? (laughs) That's all a blur, but... that
1: was Friday. That was Friday. Was it Friday? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. Welcome to episode 346 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm
0: Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, we got a meaty, hefty, thick
1: episode mm. this, this time. This one is chunky in all the ways, not only in new supporters, but also we got a chunky sidebar. We got a little mm-hmm. bit of follow up. We got a chunky main topic that we have outlined extensively Uh, And of course, cool things. All right, let's get into it. Yeah. First of all, thank you to our golden ratio supporter this week, Float. More than 3,000 of the world's top design teams, including BuzzFeed, MetaLab, and Hulu, use Float to plan their projects and schedule their team's time. You can learn more about how to help your team plan better at float.com slash design details. Go check it out. Beautiful website. Thank you, Float. Thanks, Float. We also have some new very important Pixels this week. Yeah. Possibly one of my favorite names is coming up here in a second. I don't know if it's real or not. Okay. Let's buckle in because a few of them are gonna be challenged. Here we go. <clears throat> <laughs> oh no, I know what one it is. I just looked on the list. Amazing. Okay. Huge shout out to our new supporters. Ann Chang, Kelsey Michael, Gognabin, Fabio Giolito, Kerr Ning. Is this the one? <laughs> this is the one. Ker space Ning. If your name is Kerning and you're a designer, you've hit the jackpot.
0: It's perfect.
1: It's your so your perfect. name might as well be eight points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> RGBA. I love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ning. Uh, thank you to David Person, James Lyons, Will Sue, Davida Pitts, Justina Popernick, Yo Chiyun. It's Yo uppercase. That's why I emphasized it. <laughs> Jorn, Xander and Nathan Gross. Wow.
0: You know, the listeners are really coming through with the VIPs lately. Like, uh, it's been really heartwarming to see. I, I expected it to drop during these trying times, but it's been awesome to see how much support we're getting. So, thank you to everyone on this list.
1: Well, you know, we've gotten a few tweets confirming or at least adding data points to our sidebar hypothesis, which is mm. that this is a more compelling reward for supporters than the bonus episodes. So, perfect. Positive feedback loop we are in. Yeah. If you didn't know, we are a listener-supported podcast. We have patrons at patreon.com slash design details. And every week they get access to a supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, Sidebar. You'd be hearing it right now if you're a supporter. Yeah, if you were a supporter, you would be about to dive into, I don't know, let's say like a 12-ish minute segment with strategies and tips and ideas for how to respond to negative feedback. And of course, in classic Design Details fashion, we use video games as a parallel. Yeah, it works though, it works. So if that sounds interesting and you want access to all past, present, and future sidebar segments in all of our episodes, you can do so at patreon.com designdetails design details. It starts at just a buck a month. It's not much. We want this to be as accessible as possible for everybody, but your support means a lot because in aggregate, this helps us to support the show, and pay for production costs and equipment and all that. So we really appreciate everyone who's subscribed so far. If you want to hear this week's sidebar about negative feedback, that's at patreon.com slash design details. Cool. All right. Got a little bit of follow-up. Let's breeze through. Heard from Ying Yao on Twitter. This is some long-running recurring... Follow up, but Ying Yao shared some early shameful work in progress.
0: Oh, I'm glad it keeps coming in, man. This yeah. is great.
1: Ying says, I dug through my archives. Is that the fart emoji? Uh, the wind. Wind, wind gust. Gust of wind emoji. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Dug through my archives to share one of my earliest projects from 2014. I built a crowdsourced app where students view and rate the best classroom seats based on Wi Fi connectivity, outlet access, and visibility to the front room. Wow. So specific. I love it.
0: The, the idea that, you know, the design is bad, obviously. We all know that. That's why we're, you <laughs> whoa, whoa, sent it whoa, whoa. to us. But... Ying, you're great. <laughs> this is 2014. <laughs> Simpler but times. But the idea is really smart. This is a great idea. And, it, and the outcome, regardless of design, like the output of this is pretty clear, right? You can tell... Exactly where the good spots and the bad spots are to, to sit. Yeah, it's like a little heat map
1: the, of the classroom, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like a grid-based heat map. It's awesome.
1: We also heard from Connolly Rader, also fam of the show, says, referring to episode 345, your discussion on taste reminded me of a great read I found last year called You May Also Like, Colin, Taste in an Age of Endless Choice by Tom Vanderbilt. Lots of research, lots of insights. Def, add it to your list. Marshall, have you heard of this book?
0: No, but I think it's very cool. And I see here that there is an audiobook version of this, and I am going to add it to my list. I have credits available. So thank you for the suggestion.
1: That'll be your follow-up responsibility when you read it. Okay, cool. Link in the show notes. Thank you for the tweet, Connolly.
0: All right, and our last piece of follow-up this episode is... If you remember in a past episode, one of our most popular episodes of all time, The Principles of Design. No, the one. Oh, is it the one now? It's the most popular. Oh, wow. It overtook. Amazing. Okay, cool. So in our most popular episode of all time, Principles of Design, we worked off of a website called LawsofUX.com as kind of a a framework of of choosing some of these things, uh, among other sources. But John Yablonski, who is the creator of LawsofUX.com, has a book out about the laws of UX. It's like a book version of the website with a bunch more examples and uh, detail going into each of these laws. It's really cool. He sent us both a copy and I've been reading through it. I'm, I'm a little ways in. Brian, I'm not sure how far you've gotten. but uh, it's...
1: I haven't started yet because I have one more book that I'm almost finished with, but I have it on my desk and I'm going <laughs> to dig in soon. Yeah,
0: we're, we're both holding it in our hands right now, but it's published by O'Reilly, which is no small feat. So grats on that. And uh, yeah, it's super cool. So there'll be a link in the show notes if you want to get a physical copy of this thing yourselves.
1: Yeah, get it. And nice job on the publish, John. Yeah, well done. Okay, that's it for follow-up. We have a couple quick tweets that I I thought would be fun to read. Uh, first one is from Hillary. Hillary says, brain prototypes over wireframes 99% of the time. <laughs> 99% of the time is brain prototypes every time. <laughs> <laughs> we also heard from Will Sue, who is a new supporter this week, says... I'm never a podcast person. I can't focus just listening to people talking without visuals. I've been trying to listen to podcasts a couple times, but always ended up turning back to music. Lately, a friend of mine recommended design details, and somehow it made me stick to it. Yeah. So much so that Will's supporting us. Wow, quick conversion. (laughs) That's awesome. You make a sticky podcast, Brian. I, I hope so. That's awesome. Thanks for the tweet, Will.
0: Sweet. Thanks, Will.
1: Okay. Main topic, time. Here we go. We got an outline. All right, so first of all, this main topic comes from a listener question. Long time friend of the pod, Kevin Gutowski asked us on our GitHub a very long question. It is outlined. There are three levels of bullet points. There's a lot to go on here. Uh, We're not going to read all of this out loud. We'll have a link in the show notes. But I think we can basically sum it up in a very short but complicated phrase, which is, what is quality, specifically in software design. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about what does it mean when software is high quality? Mm. Man, so meaty. Uh, let's try our best. We, we've got an outline. Marshall, I think you should kick us off with how you frame this and then. I can pepper it with some some thoughts.
0: Okay, yeah. So as part of this, Kevin included a link to a WWDC talk from 2018 that we both watched. It's about an hour long. I'd already seen it before, and apparently, had favorited it because I went back to the developers app on my Apple TV, and I've watched like all of the design related and tangential things from every WWDC ever. And uh, I had already favorited this one <laughs> as one to go back to. So. Uh-huh. Good taste, sir. but um what is taste? <laughs> oh shit <laughs> uh, back in time. So I, th- I think uh, this is a really good video to watch, and I didn't remember a lot of it, but before I went back and watched it, if you would have asked me this question, I would have kind of broken it down into a matrix as I want to do in many other contexts as well, Brian, uh, a two by two matrix if you can imagine, yes of on one axis there is, Uh, the developer and the user, and on the other axis there is attention and intention. With me? Yes,
1: I follow. It's like a Punnett square.
0: Punnett square, yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) that's exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, let's work through the four quadrants of this square. And the first would be, and this is a pretty obvious thing, but one that we want to call out first because it's so obvious, is attention to detail, This would be the developer paying attention. I think you could call this in a a bunch of different ways, but craftsmanship
1: or pixel perfection.
0: Yeah, design details maybe even. Uh, But basically the love and craft and passion for the thing that the developer has. So the amount of time and effort that they put into it. So that's my first section.
1: Yeah, so when we were talking about design details, it it reminded me that, A lot of the time these details are not obvious. Like They are details for a reason. They're small, often invisible. Often the people who will notice them are the people trained to notice them. And when I started thinking about that, it reminded me of one of your cool things from way back when. I can't even remember the name of it. But it's a YouTube channel where CG artists review CG used in movies and TV shows. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Corridor Crew. Corridor Crew. But I was watching one of their videos recently and they were talking about the new His Dark Materials show on HBO. And they're digging into a scene with a polar bear that's wearing armor and kind of like walking around. And they started zooming in and they're they're pointing out things that mere mortals wouldn't notice yet contribute to the feeling of quality. So for example, they were talking about light diffusion and hair physics and why some hairs felt heavier than other hairs and the way that they moved as it as the polar bear walked and as they're talking to the, through these things I'm like there's no way that I would consciously think of that but the people who designed this polar bear in some computer somewhere really spent the time to get it right because at a subconscious level it maps onto our understanding of the way the world works right and I think you know we don't have quite the same examples here in app design at least to the level of like hair physics But certainly with lighting and motion and interactivity, there are these subtle things that feel more correct, even if you lack the correct articulation for it. And so your users will probably notice that as well at a subconscious level.
0: The example given in the WWDC talk was an audio booth with sound panels on the wall that are a certain space apart. And if the spaces between those sound panels were different from floor to ceiling, you would have an understanding that the person who did that job didn't really take it too seriously. They weren't too concerned about installing them cleanly and nicely and evenly, right? This is the, uh, there's a subreddit called r slash not my job, mm, mm-hmm. um, which is just people doing a half ass job because they didn't really care, yeah, right? Yeah. That's how we can tell that something is not high quality. Even if you can't put into words what it is exactly that's wrong with it, even the average person can tell when something is poorly constructed.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right, so that's our first box.
0: Let's go on to the next part of the grid. So the next one would be the developer and intention. Not attention this time, but intention. English is fun. So... uh So when we build things, we should build them with goals in mind and do everything intentionally, right? You should not have any sort of chaos or inconsistency if you can avoid it, right? Like there's always going to be some, but... In all ways, we should make sure that the things we bring into existence are intentional and have purpose and feel intentional.
1: Yeah, I, I like this. I think one one thing that came to mind, which every company ever in the history of software really struggles with, is knowing when to stop. Mm-hmm. We start out so intentional, right? It's so small and focused. Something is so simple and carefully crafted. And then people ask for features and your use cases expand you understand new context that your app's being used in. So you just keep adding things on, keep adding things on. And somewhere along the way, you flip from having a simple, beautiful, clearly focused app to something that kind of just tries to do a lot of things and doesn't necessarily do the new stuff particularly well. Mm-hmm. This is a very common trap. Bloat. And I think that's because some of the intent has been lost from you know the original vision here. Another thing that came to mind around intentional design choices is something that we've harped on over and over and over again, which is using form as a way to express function, like no superfluous visuals. Animations are in service of specific things. Like things don't move for no reason, right? Or because it looks cool. It moves because it is affording something or signifying something in the user interface or guiding the user to uh, a specific behavior or helping orient them in space mm-hmm. like these things are there for a reason. Yep. And you can tell when that's not the case, when people just add visuals because it looks cool. This is the dribble problem, right? It's like by the way, there's a time and place for that, but most of the time mm-hmm. it's like you can very clearly see when visuals are there for visuals sake.
0: Yep. All right, moving along, let's go over to the user access of this thing. So let's go back to attention. So the overlap here is I think in respecting the user's attention. So if a human on earth is using your app, that means that they went through the somewhat arduous process of downloading it and putting it on their phone. And that is a huge victory for you to have achieved to even make it onto a user's phone, right? That's awesome. Once you're there, be sure that you are respecting that user's attention. So When they go to use your app, they have a life and they're doing their life and they're trying to use your app in the midst of their life. Respect the user's attention. Does
1: this make sense, Brian? Totally. I I had some sub points to this that are kind of in that zone. It's not exactly about the user's attention, but I think there are other factors that you could probably put in this box that are signifiers of high quality software. So not only are you respectful of a person's attention, but you're respectful of, where they are in life. Are they distracted? Are they moving? Are they using your app with one hand or two? Do they have it connected to an external keyboard or are they touching it? Are they on a stable internet connection or are things dropping off? I think understanding where a person might be and designing around that is what the best software does. Another thing that is less obvious here is being respectful not only of a person's attention, but also of how data is getting to the app. I think this comes up quite a lot when you move outside of places like the US. People are often on prepaid SIM cards where they pay per megabyte or per gigabyte of data. And so if your app is a data hog, you are literally costing people money to use your app. So in places where people are really sensitive to this, this is why light apps exist. This is why products like Twitter have low bandwidth mode so that it doesn't load images at full resolution by default in the feed. Like this mm-hmm. is respect for people's bandwidth, for low processing power on their device, and for how much it costs them to actually load megabytes over the over the air. I also thought about like quality software has positive externalities in that like it's solving something that the user wanted that exists outside of the app. Like it's saving them time or it's making them money or it's making them feel good or feel productive. Like there's something happening in the real world physically that is a result of your software existing. Like there is plenty of software that exists that makes you feel shitty when you're using it or it is so frustrating to use that you feel like you've wasted time instead of saved time. That's the kind of stuff that we don't want to be building obviously. Mm -hmm. So some ways to help with that are being fast, right? Like are you caching things? Do you have quick interactivity when a website first loads? Like are people able to click and interact with things right away? I've been thinking about this all weekend, like this time to interactive or the time to first paint on a website. Mm-hmm. Are you sitting there staring at a spinner or do things just load right away Are they instant? Like that is being respectful of a person's time. I think, it, you know, it also in, in relation to like understanding where a person is in space, I love this idea of high quality software understands the environment around it. So for Mm -hmm. example, I don't know if you remember early iOS, but like when ambient light detection worked well, like, oh, you turn Uh the lights off, the screen dims. You go outside on a sunny day, the screen brightens like magical. That's magical. I think rays to wake is another feature here is like, okay, we can detect the phone is moving in a certain way at a certain velocity we can discern intent from that and turn on the screen right like mm-hmm. understanding what's going on around outside of the software and then one of the thing that came to mind for me here was is it possible to build software that gets better with use yes. and two things came to mind one was certainly any like content app where you are creating and organizing information so like things or notion or notes like The more you use it, the more powerful it is for navigation and querying. And you like build up this library of of things that make the app more and more useful over time. And then another one was like Face ID. Like the more you use Face ID, the better Face ID gets at unlocking your phone. Mm -hmm. Like it gets faster over time from weird angles, like laying on your bed with half your face obscured by the pillow. Eventually, Face ID recognizes that because it's learning as you use it, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a law of thermodynamics at play here that we could like break physics with this. If if you do your job right, it feels like the output you get based on the input is so much greater. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to exert too much effort to get this great output. You know what I mean?
1: Bicycle of the mind, baby. Bicycle (laughs) of
0: the mind. Yeah, exactly.
1: In the corporate world, we call this... Synergy. Oh, God. Yeah. Let's open the kimono.
0: Okay. So, uh, let's get to our last quadrant. And that is the intersection of the user and their intentions. So, I think it's super important that we not only respect a user's attention, but understand their intentions. And I think there's like a, kind of a blurry line between these yeah, two things. I think but
1: some of the things I just listed kind of fit here as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like that energy transformation that i was referring to earlier of like a little bit of effort turns into a great output right so for example when i go to google something i can type three letters and there's a good chance that all i have to do after typing those first few letters is hit down and enter and i'm i'm like where i want to be that's an amazing transformation of energy, a small amount of energy into a a big result. And I think this is a big part of this last point, which is understanding the user's intention. So if you have a full understanding of of what your user wants to do, and you're doing the other three things of respecting their time and being intentional about how you've designed your app, et cetera, the the last big part is to make sure that you are understanding exactly what the user wants when they come into your app. Mm -hmm. When they start using your service, what is the goal that they want to achieve and how well you understand that is how well you will solve that problem for them or help them achieve that goal. If you don't really understand what the user's problem is, if you don't understand what their intentions are, then your solution for that problem won't be as good as it could have been otherwise. Does this make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, So for this one, a few things came to mind as well. Like, Also kind of blurry with users' attention, but like we've talked in the past about how do you prime people for experiencing the software that you've made. And I think what a lot of times happens, especially today, because landing pages are so easy to create, because beautiful graphics are becoming so much more accessible to people, we have a mismatch of gorgeous landing pages and marketing and subpar crappy quality actual application. Mm -hmm. And that disconnect, I think, breaks the user's intent, right? Like they've come into your app with an intent or some knowledge of like what they're going to be allowed to do or what's going to be possible within the application. Mm-hmm. And if reality doesn't meet that expectation, then you've designed bad or low quality software, which kind of reminded me of this, I forget what you called it last time, it was like this paradox of aesthetics where if something looks good, people expect it to function better, right?
0: Yeah, the aesthetic usability effect.
1: That, yeah. So I feel like that comes into play, right? Like obviously you want your software to look good, but it can't look good in isolation from the surrounding context of how people discover your product or how they're onboarded or what the App Store screenshots look like. This all fits together into a cohesive story. And then I I, I guess this is sort of user intent. I don't know how to bucket this, but like a couple of things came to mind. One is I think high-quality software understands the humanness of the end user. Mm -hmm. I think it's so tempting for developers and designers to get so stuck in like, oh, everybody knows how computers work. Everybody will be able to interpret this error code. Nobody makes mistakes using my app. And the people who understand that humans do make mistakes and that they need clear language are just higher quality. So examples like, can you undo things? If somebody accidentally deletes something, can you undo it? That is a sign that there was consideration of the messiness of humans going through life. Another one is, do you use human-friendly error codes? Like Error codes returned from a server are usually written by backend programmers who will never experience the consequence of a user actually having to read that. And error codes are a part of our design process, right? If something goes wrong, how do you communicate that to a user so that they have either some way to remedy the error some sort of next step, or at least just communicate it in a way that doesn't make them feel dumb. Like, high-quality software shouldn't make people feel dumb.
0: Well, th- this is a perfect example of the understanding the user's intention. So uh, let's bring it back to the laws of UX Or the friend John Yablonski. Uh, one of the UX laws is Postal's Law, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correct, which is be conservative in what you do, be liberal in what you accept from others. So... The second part of this is what kind of what we're getting at here. If a perfect example of this is fuzzy search, right? You know what fuzzy search is?
1: Yes. Can you explain fuzzy search for the people? Fuzzy search allows affordance in typos or grammatical errors or words being out of order.
0: Did you mean? Did you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you when you mess up the Google search but it gives you the right results cuz like did you mean this thing? We're giving you the results for this thing cuz you probably meant this thing, right? Like that's that's how you should handle your app. If I give you something that's outside the bounds of what you're asking for, be smart in how you interpret that and and don't make me feel dumb even though I gave you the wrong answer. Like you can probably interpret the right answer from my wrong answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we moved through the matrix, this two Mm -hmm. by two, not the matrix, but our two by two matrix. (laughs) Yeah. I think to, to tie it back and maybe start to wrap this up, one quote from the WWDC talk stood out to me, which is just remember that we are building things for humans. Like the software is being made for people to experience their life in some better, hopefully, way. And if we can help those people, I think the quote was like find moments in life, like create memories, be delighted, enjoy themselves, feel productive, feel smart, feel like they have superpowers. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things that quality software strives to do. And sometimes it's easy to forget that, honestly. Sometimes it's we get stuck in the computer world and we're like, ah, oh, we can use error code 400 and like... <laughs> use all this technical jargon and people are gonna to want to spend all their time using our spreadsheet app. Like they're gonna live here. We should send push notifications all the time. Like we've sometimes just lose our place in the world.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess one part of this that didn't really fit into that matrix that I wanted to call out is something that was mentioned on in the dub dub episode, which was it's easy to recognize bad design is it's easy to recognize poor quality but it's not necessarily easy to recognize good quality or high quality like good design right uh, and it makes me think of foley in mov- in movies do you know what foley is
1: yeah like background ornamentation right
0: uh, no it's the people who make the sound effects right so it's it's oh, the it's the oh, guy wow. in the I was super wrong yeah, yeah, it's again the, the sound studio clapping together two coconut halves <laughs> to make a horse clip clop. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Foley. If you do it right, if you do it perfectly, no one knows you were there at all, and it sounds like it was the audio captured from the set or from from the location, right? And I feel like the better we do our jobs the less you can see that there was a maker behind this thing. It's just something that should have always existed. It's not even there. I don't even know that there was an app happening. I had a goal. I achieved the goal. I'm done. I'm out, right? And this is kind of opposite of what you get in other media, right? So in a sculpture, you want to feel the maker, right? Like in in a building, potentially, you want to feel the architect's vision, right? Right. In an app, you don't necessarily want that. You don't necessarily want to feel the maker or see the maker's fingerprints, depending on the depending, depending on, on the product. Yeah, yeah. right? Like If you're making a small thing and the whole idea is like, yeah, I'm one person and I make this thing, that's cool. But for the most part, you want to just get out of the fucking people's way and let them do the thing they're trying to do in the first place.
1: Yeah, your use of Foley, I'll say the same thing, but the way I've always thought about it in my mind is because, I don't know, I heard somebody say this a long time ago, but you don't really notice that rooms are clean You notice that they're dirty, Mm. like Mm -hmm. you notice the smudge on the wall. You don't notice the lack of smudges on the wall. Mm -hmm. It's it's when things are broken or stuttery or things are misaligned, like you notice that. And if you don't notice it at all, then the software is high quality, which is sort of paradoxical. It's like invisible, right? You, Mm -hmm. it's so out of your way that you don't even take the time to realize that nothing has gone wrong. Uh, One of the other things in the dub dub that I liked is. Defining quality is hard, right? And so they said, you know, you can just feel it. Like something that is high quality, you can just tell. Mm -hmm. It's so abstract and it's not useful, but it reminded me of there's some court case at the Supreme Court a long time ago, and they were trying to define what is obscene. I think they were talking about pornography, like what is obscene pornography? And the Supreme Court justice says, I shall not today attempt further to define the kinds of material I understand to be embraced, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, I know it when I see it. It's perfect, right? It's like, I can't define it, but God dang it, if I see it, I know that it's, in that case, porn, but in our case, (laughs) high-quality software. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: Your experience as a human gives you the tools necessary to determine that something is high-quality. You know it when you see it.
1: All right, there was one thing in the Dub Dub video that I think I disagreed with. I kind of want to get your take on it. Okay. They talked about how hard it is to create something of quality. Like you have to put in the late nights. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. The thing is, that's true. My question for you is, should knowing how hard somebody worked on a thing change your perception of the thing? For example, if you wrote a book... And you put hundreds of hours into it. You slaved over it, nights and weekends. You put everything you had into it, but the book kind of sucks. How much should I, as the end user of that, account for your effort in making my determination of quality? Yeah, it, it shouldn't. So, yeah, this is the, this. <laughs> okay, is the, we're on the same page. But yeah, this is yeah. the
0: point that stood out to me as well when I was watching through it. That I think the quote was something to the effect of like. If it comes easy, it's probably not that good. I'm, I'm I'm leery of whenever a process goes too easily. I only know if it's good if I've had to work really hard and put in weekends and long nights and, blah, blah, blah. and like. No, if like you can get better at your job, like I know what they're trying to say. I know they're trying to say this ain't easy. You want it to look easy, right? When yeah. I watch gymnastics or something, I'm always blown away because it looks. They make it look so easy, but I know it isn't, right? I know they've put in tons and tons of effort, right? So I, I know that's the point that that person was trying to get at, but I, I disagree in that. I think you can get better, and sometimes like you do the right thing. So to to go to your book example. You have your Stephen Kings who can just like pump out books back to back to back or like Michael Crichton, like really, really good. But they're all high quality books. And that's because he's a fucking good writer. You know what I mean? So just because you're working hard at it doesn't mean it's good. And just because it was easy doesn't mean it's low quality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get better, right? Like, I don't know. That that, that one bothered me because like these, like this is not mutually exclusive or inclusive.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that stood out to you as well. Yeah. All right, well, the last thing we did for this particular question is we, we tweeted a couple hours before the episode, and we asked, what words or phrases come to mind when you hear the phrase, quality software? And a few of you replied, too many to read individually, but Marshall, did you get some themes from the replies here?
0: Yeah, I collected some themes, and I think they're very much in line with the stuff we've already talked about. So I, I will enumerate them thusly,
1: right?
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, fast predictable, reliable, consistent, performant, well-crafted, delightful, hospitable. That was a good one, I thought. Mm -hmm. Uh, Familiar and thoughtful. All of these, I think, are great words. Thank you for sharing them, everyone. Uh, I I hope the collation was a, a good collection, but I feel like if you're hitting all those notes in the thing you're building, you're doing a good job.
1: Yeah, well, that's the part that's easier said than done, but true. Okay, let us know what we missed. I mean, defining quality is hard. This is our best stab at it. Tweet at us. Let us know what you thought. If anything in particular that we said stood out as being incorrect or, or we could expand upon, let us know. Twitter, Design Details FM, hit us up.
0: All right, Brian, let's do some cool things. I want to hear what yours is.
1: Yeah, mine is just a fun little experiment. And I don't know if it's real or not. I think it could be bullshit. I kind of just have to take them at their word for it. <laughs> okay. But it's this thing called listening together, and it's created by Spotify. And it's this website that you can go to and it shows you when two people somewhere in the world have started playing the exact same song at the exact same time.
0: Okay, so this isn't about actually providing a product where you can listen to songs together with people remotely. This is about the serendipity of the thing that we, I think I've all at one point wondered of,
1: is anyone else in the world listening to the same song? Precisely. Hmm. It's cool. I got to say the website is fantastic it's okay on the phone but view it on your desktop like get on a big screen you can drag the globe around it animates beautifully like it has some nice visual design some interaction design here with like being able to pan the the globe around the way it like displays when new connections are made between people playing the same songs it'll like play a teaser of the songs you can just sit here and listen and kind of this is why I'm not sure if it's real. Like you could obviously simulate this, but if it is real, it's cool to know. Like, oh, all these moments of coincidence or serendipity are happening all the time. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, link in the show notes, but it's listening together at Cool thing, Brian. Well, I have a
0: music-related one as well. This has been a cool thing of mine in the past. And update: so Songland, I've mentioned before, it's back for season two. Our favorite producers. Shane, Esther, and Ryan are are back, and there's a whole slew of of young, fresh, uh, uh, starry-eyed, <laughs> starry-eyed singer-songwriters. <and> <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to get their foot in the door, uh-huh. and it is heartwarming and so much fun to watch, and the, just seeing the creative process of taking a song in its kind of raw form as it comes in and molding it and changing it and shifting it in the way that these geniuses are able to do it's just it's awesome to see experts at work brian and this is a great example of it
1: yes that's a nice way to say it where can people watch it
0: it's an nbc show we'll have a link in the show notes but i've just been watching it on hulu the day after so i think it comes out on monday nights tuesday nights on hulu cool it's my reward for finishing editing the podcast as i watch
1: Songland. land oh that's nice all right. Well, cool thing. And this has been another episode of Design Details. Let us know what you thought. We hope you enjoyed it. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. Hit us up. Of course, thank you to Float, our golden ratio for supporting the show. Head to float.com slash design details to learn more about how to help your team plan better. And of course, thank you to everyone who became a very important pixel this week. Your support means a lot. If you want to support the show and get access to the sidebar, our bonus segment in all of our episodes, Go to patreon.com slash design details. For just a buck a month, you get access to full episodes. So thank you to everyone who subscribed this week. And hopefully, uh, if you decide to subscribe this week, this is a pre-thank you. Mm -hmm. If you need more podcasts during this time at home, go to spec.fm. It's our podcast network for designers and developers just Just like like you. you. Otherwise... (laughs) go uh, go to twitter.com slash design details FM press the follow button smash like and subscribe and hit us with a hot take we would appreciate it until then we'll catch you next week
0: so long So long. Farewell. Auf Wiedersehen, goodbye. Hey, bye. Auf <laughs> Wiedersehen, goodbye. <laughs> that was like a boy band version of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Auf <laughs> Wiedersehen, goodbye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>